Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio for Thursday, the 13th of March, 2014. Today we're going to have a dream team of some, of some sorts, and we're going to talk about the Blade Runner trial week two. Today we have Mickey Sherman. He is the author of a very great book, and Richard Herman. But let me introduce our first guest. He is formerly of Court TV. He is defense attorney, and you can see him on Nancy Grace. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome one of the greats in this business, Mr. Mickey Sherman. Good evening, Mickey, and thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio. My pleasure. You know, they don't open, they don't open WrestleMania with that big of a slash. Yes, of course, Mickey, the jokester, and uh, Mickey, as we sit here at week two, um, what, do you, what is your gut telling you thus far? Well, I've always said that a criminal trial is very much the same as the race for fifth-grade class president. Sometimes they just don't really care about the facts or the qualifications, and they go on who they like best. It's a popularity contest. And even though there's some of the scientific evidence may be against him, Pistorius is still a world-class runner, hero, Olympian with no legs, who's uh, turned his life around. And uh, I think there's still going to be a lot of people who are just rooting for him, regardless of the uh, science or the forensics or anything else. Yeah, absolutely, no question. We've been hearing so much about him, but we have not heard too much about here about her, the victim in this case. Let's take a listen to a, little, to a small clip of her, and we'll come back on the other side and we'll talk about it. Anderson Cooper, 360, weeknights at 8 and 10 on CNN. A 360 exclusive. Now, tonight the family of Reva Steenkamp is breaking their silence for the first time since her killer, Oscar Pistorius, was freed on bail. Steenkamp's uncle and cousin both agreed to talk on camera to investigative correspondent Drew Griffin in South Africa. Now, Drew's been digging into Pistorius' past, and what he's found is really very much at odds with the athlete's public image. In Drew's report last night, former friends of the track star described a man who was often drinking, angry, and armed. He would have a top switch and... Uh you know, he'd get violent and angry, and he'd fight with people, and he'd cause a lot of problems. It's like, well, you're, you're waiting for something like this to happen, you know. Well, Pistorius claims he shot Rita Steenkamp because he thought she was an intruder. He says he loved her deeply, but was the love mutual? Steenkamp's cousin talked to Drew about that, and what she told him is pretty surprising. Equally surprising, what Steenkamp's uncle has to say. Here's Drew's report. The interview took place inside the Cape Town home Reva often stayed in the back room of her cousins, Kim Martins. It is where we interviewed her and Reva's uncle. Has, has the family now realized emotionally what has happened? You sort of wake up in the morning expecting Reva still to give a phone call. It's easier to deal with it if you don't concentrate on anything else other than the fact that Reva's not here. And at the end of the day, she's not coming back. What the family says it does not want to concentrate on is just why Reva Steenkamp is not coming back. She died in the home and at the hands of her boyfriend, Oscar Pistorius. He is charged with murder, awaiting trial for what he has called an accidental shooting. Kim Martin says she was as close to Reva as a sister. There were no secrets. She knew the couple were dating. She also knew Reva was not in love. And I knew that... In time, she would chat to me about it. But she never did? No, she never did. January 2nd, on Small Bay in Cape Town, Kim and her daughters finally did meet him at this seaside cafe. It was the only time she ever met Oscar Pistorius. He barely made an impact. It wasn't long enough to form an opinion on his personality, you know. Typical Reva, her and I were chatting and the kids, so, and what I saw of him, and what we, the bits that we did speak, he was nice. He did seem like a nice guy. You still think that? Um, I don't really want to comment on that. In what now seems an ominous event, we now know Reva's own mother had met Oscar Pistorius too, at least by phone. 
Oscar and Riva were driving on a highway, and Oscar, prone to fast cars, was supposedly speeding. She found her mom and said to her mom, Mom, Oscar's speeding. So June took the phone and said, let me speak to Oscar. And said to Oscar, hey, listen, that's my precious, my only daughter, my precious daughter. And that's everything. That's my angel. And you better slow down. Otherwise, I will get the, the mafia onto you afterwards. And uh, Reva said afterwards, Mom, you slow down. Now the family, including Reva's parents, Barry and June, are trying to come to grips with a lot of tales from the past. Former friends of Pistorius speaking out about anger, rage, and guns. Early signs that police may have mishandled the crime scene. And the fact that Oscar Pistorius, who's admitted killing Reva in an accidental shooting, is now free from jail awaiting trial. So the less I hear about it, all the other stuff, the better. None of us are going to be represented at the court and the trial. None of us in family are going to go up. We won't be present. I can tell you that now. And for that reason, it's not about the court case. It's about Reva. It would be too painful. But choking back tears, Mike Steenkamp did say he one day does want to meet the man who killed his niece. I would like to be face to face with him and forgive him. Forgive him what he's done. And that way I can find most probably more peace with the situation. But tell him face to face. And, and you would forgive him, yeah. Mike, whether this was... A tragic accident or whether this was whatever a whatever the outcome I feel with my belief and if uh, if Christ could forgive when he died on the cross why can't I you must have seen the reports about things in his past that have come out is there any reaction to any of that the least I know from the outside the better for myself that right or wrong, I'm still focused on the one thing, is forgiveness, and I'm not going to change from that. As for what happens to Oscar Pistorius, it doesn't matter, says Steenkamp. Nothing will bring Reva back. Drew Griffin, CNN, Cape Town, South Africa. Okay, Mickey, I do want to get your take, but let me bring in the second half of the Dream Team here. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome, he is a New York defense attorney. He is also a legal analyst on Saturdays for CNN. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my dear friend, the one and only Richard Herman. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, Richard. gentlemen. Good evening, King and Mickey, my dear friend. How are you? Great. Wonderful. Okay, Richard, I'd like to get your take thus far on week two, I know we got the vomiting situation. Uh, how do you think the defense is doing, holding up? Give me your take. Well, if there was a jury there and he was crying and vomiting, I think that would help him. But this judge is salty. She's been around the block. She's very, very tough on female crime victims. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues in this particular case. There's a lot of crime in South Africa. His house has been broken into in the past. You know, when he doesn't have his prosthetics on and he's laying in bed there, he is very vulnerable, and I understand he has a gun license. He's, he's qualified to carry a gun. However, and the big however underline is this, I don't think anybody can get past the fact that he is supposedly in bed with his girlfriend, his, his lover, his friend, whoever he's in bed with. He hears noise in the bathroom. He doesn't look over to ask his friend, do you hear anything, are you okay? he opens fire into the bathroom. And to me, he's not going to be able to get around that. And I don't think the judge is going to let him get around that. I don't care if he was banging, you know, if, if, they, if, if the judge believes he was banging on the door to try to get to her and had a frustration right. when he couldn't get to her, he shot her, that's even worse. But I still think that uh, he's going to get convicted here of intentional. And uh, I, I just think that it was so beyond uh, insane for him to be opening four shots into a locked bathroom when his girlfriend's not in bed with him. And you've got the testimony that there was screaming that went on before that and then the shots. So I, I think he's, uh, 
I think he's in trouble, this guy. And plus, Richard, they added other counts where they can't do that in the U.S., additional counts from additional, you know, dates that he, you know, did whatever. That was all thrown into one case, right? Yeah, the gun, the gun, the gun charges for the other counts, but that's the sideshow. You know, if he gets convicted of murder here, he's going to go to prison for life. If he gets convicted of culpable homicide, he could get 15 years or he could get no time. So that's the fight here is over whether it was an intentional killing, it was just a, a reckless shooting for which it's like manslaughter in, in, in the States, or should he get, you know, is, is it excusable? I mean, that's where it's going to come down. But, Mickey, I, I think this guy's in big trouble. Yeah, the thing that you really nailed uh, is the fact that he's in front of a judge, and a judge who's been around the block. And I don't yeah. say that in a negative way, but she's obviously an experienced judge, has seen uh, many criminal cases uh, transpire before, and she's not going to fall for the trick that you and I would put out there and all the red herrings that we would try and maneuver in front of the jury, and the sympathy factor. That's all going down the drain. But I think it does say something negatively about the prosecutors that they would pile on these stupid other charges right now. I mean, isn't murder enough? Yeah, it's kind of a sideshow with these shooting through a, a roof of a car or under a table and asking a friend to take the blame for it. That shifts the focus here. This is a murder case, and, uh, you know, the facts and circumstances of this particular case are what's very, very important here. So I, I really, I think that... You know, the defense attorney is trying to poke holes in whatever he can. And what did he have the prosthetics on? Did he not have them on? To what angle was he hitting the door with his cricket stick? Was the light on? Was the light off? To me, you know, all of that. You know, if there's a jury there, maybe it means something. But Mickey's right. This is a this is a seasoned jurist. One judge is going to make a decision. Now, one thing I can tell you is this, and what, I'm, what I've researched in South African law is. In the United States, and Mickey will tell you, when there's a verdict in the United States, it's very, very, very difficult for an appellate division to reverse a jury. Twelve people come in with a decision. Usually deference is given by the appellate courts here. However, in South Africa, when it's only a single judge making a determination, the appellate level in South Africa is very <laughs> receptive to hearing appeals and reversing trial judges. So that's one thing that, you know, he may have to look forward to in the future. This is a national hero in South Africa. And, uh, you know, you can probably count on one hand the national heroes that you know in your lifetime from South Africa. So this guy was everything in South Africa, and he's a hero, and he has that going for him. But uh, the fact pattern on the murder case, to me, is just devastating. And for him to open up... You know, knowing the girl is not in the bed with him, knowing she's not there with him, really, I think, lends someone to believe that they did have a fight, and he, she locked herself in the bathroom, probably afraid of him, and him, but out of frustration, opened fire. The defense is that it was kind of like a fog of war situation. He's there, it's dark, he's here, he's here he's somebody in the bathroom, he has, he's hobbling on his stumps, he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. And I don't know whether that's going to fly, but that's what they're selling. Yeah, that's the defense, and, and it's a high-crime area. I think in the last 10 years, burglaries have gone up 70%. I think there's 45 murders per day in South Africa right now. So it is something we can't really perceive. It's a really high crime rate there, and his house has been broken into before, and he's very vulnerable in his physical state. So, you know, that gives him the, the mindset to protect himself, except that he's in bed with his girlfriend. And, you know, there's no testimony. He checked to see if she was okay. He saw she was in the bed. She was not in the bed. To me, they can't get over that. So to me, that's bad. That's, that's, that's I, I, insurmountable in my book right now. Richard, as a defense attorney, what do you guys make, and I'll start with you, Richard, of this defense attorney, and he, they call it defense advocate over there. What do you think of his style? Well, all you have to do is listen to... Uh, the prime minister's questions, you know, in the, in the British House of Commons. I mean, you know, they, he's doing everything he can. It's a very, very tough case here. And uh, he's bringing a style, a style to the courthouse. He's 
arguing not the facts, because in a case like this, you can't argue the facts. You've got to argue law, and you've got to poke holes wherever you can. And, you know, he's a seasoned and sophisticated uh, barrister there. He's got a great reputation, and, and, you know, he could be the great Mickey Sherman trying this case, and I don't care who's trying it. It's a very, very, very tough case. I like him. I think he's right out of Masterpiece Theater or Downton Abbey. I mean, he really looks like he, he should have his own sh- own show. He's respectful, but he's he's that accent. You can't beat that accent. I mean, oh, I for all that. I know, he's he could be from from Brooklyn, but he sounds fantastic in there. And the vocabulary, the vocabulary yeah. is spectacular. And the way he carries himself, it's, he, he's fantastic. They refer to the judge as my lady. What do you guys do to that, Richard? Yeah, well, they refer to the men as my lord, so uh, I don't know why she's not my lord, but she's my lady, and they're very respectful to her, as you see. It's, uh, you know, it's your honor here in the United States, but there it's my lady, and uh, they're showing utmost respect to this judge, and I think she's got would, a good grip on I would on not do well in front of her, because <laughs> I, uh, I uh, am known for making a lot of jokes in court, and uh, I don't think she'd tell her it. I think I'd be locked up uh, in the first week. I think you might get swatted. You might get swatted, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do you, uh, Richard, have any differences from when we first went into the trial thus far? Did the defense make any holes? Was his cross-examination on any particular day? Did it catch you this week? Or do you, you know, still feel... The problem with yeah. this guy is this. I, and, I, and I look, I respect his athletic skills and what he's done on, on track and overcoming his disability and how just phenomenal he's been there. But when I look at him, he's just not a very sympathetic guy. And, you know, I just don't have a good feeling about this guy. And that's just me personally. And I'm not sitting in the courtroom. I'm just looking at pictures of him and watching his demeanor. And, and you know, this is a... <laughs> This is a, a beautiful woman he was with there, and not that it matters if she wasn't beautiful, but I'm just saying he's, you know, almost privileged. And, and for him, you know, for us not to be focusing on his looking to protect her or, or some testimony that, you know, she had left the house, he thought she had left the house or something, or she, he thought she wasn't home, I mean, it's real bad. It's just I don't think they can overcome it. She was in bed with him. He wakes up. It's his house. It's not someone else's house. It's his house. He sleeps with the gun. You know, the fact that they tried to say he was the one yelling, and the ex-girlfriend came in and said, well, I heard him yell because he used to yell at me all the time, and that was not his voice. I mean, that was devastating. That's like, you know, O.J., put the glove on, you know, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't fit. So, you know, that's real tough to, do, to, to swallow that kind of testimony. In America, one case, one aspect you do not have to prove, and I'm pretty sure it's the same in South Africa, is motive. Am I right about that, Richard? Exactly, exactly, right. right. And, and, people, and that's oddly enough what the people want to hear and learn most, yet it's not something that needs to be proved or addressed by either side. But I, still, even this judge, I think, is going to be questioning, why would he do this? What, what, what history did they have that led them to this point? I think it's going to come out next week that uh, the boyfriend she had before him, she was back in touch with, and they were communicating uh, routinely, and he was very upset over that. And I I think, from what I've been reading, that's where they're going to try to put some motive in this judge's mind, although they don't have to do that. It sure puts the puzzles together in this story. Okay, as I mentioned, he uh, vomited uh, during the uh, trial, and... uh Let's take a look at that. I want to ask you something on the other An side. An emotional Oscar Pistorius reached for a bucket at his murder trial and vomited as he heard graphic details about his girlfriend's death. A pathologist testified about the bullet wounds to Riva Steenkamp's body. The evidence so explicit, a judge ruled it could not be shown on TV. There shall be no broadcast of the evidence of Mrs. Simon. Pistorius got sick several times as the doctor described the damage the three bullets did to his girlfriend's head, arm, and hip. The double amputee denies murder and says he thought he was shooting at a home intruder when he fired through a bathroom door, killing Steenkamp on Valentine's Day last year. Prosecutors claim he murdered her after a heated fight. The pathologist told the court the bullet to Steenkamp's head probably killed her instantly. Alfonso Van Marsh, CBS News. Richard, what would happen in a uh, New York courtroom if somebody vomited in a high-profile tra- trial? Like, 
I, well, it's, you know, it's happened. I mean, uh hasn't happened to me, but it, it's happened. It's very emotional. You know, we, we sit here and, and analyze and take pot shots. But, you know, Mickey, you know, when we're in the trenches there, it's, a, it's high drama. It's your thinking on your feet, and, and it's very emotional stuff. Uh, I've had people very, faint. I've had a couple of people faint, whether yeah. for real or not. One fainted the wrong way, and she hit her head and opened up her skull on the council table. Uh, I told the prosecutor that I gave her the, the, the motion to faint in the other direction, but he didn't believe me. Uh, I've had people have a heart attack. I've had people have fake heart attacks. The only time I've ever had clients uh, throw up is when I gave them my bill. <laughs> <laughs> because it was too light. That's why, Mickey. You didn't charge enough. That's why. But, That's you know, George, it, it's rough in there, and, and the fact that he's doing this, like I said, if there was a jury there and he's crying and wailing and puking, you know, they would maybe have some sensitivity to him. But this judge, I mean, if she's formulated in her mind by now that he's done it, you know, it's just irritating her, I think, and uh, it's not gaining him any uh, any points. What about the lawyer suggesting that he sounded like a woman uh, that was maybe a woman's voice that the first couple witnesses heard Mickey what would you take on that I don't know it, it's so easy to second guess everything here and it, even if there's uh, uh, no forensic evidence whatsoever and again it, it's, it's like the fog of war things are happening too fast it's dark nobody knows what's going on Richard your take uh, the yeah. suggestion that, that this was a woman's uh, voice that the, that they all heard I think that backfired on him. I think they put the ex-girlfriend up there who said, yeah, I've heard him scream before. And, uh, in fact, I know he screamed before because he used to yell at me all the time, and his voice didn't sound like that. So, I mean, that was devastating as far as I'm concerned. That You know, that was really, you know, the, <laughs> the suggestion that it was him screaming just got blown out of the water with the girlfriend's testimony. But, again... Jordan, they have to do something that some neighbor heard screaming. So, you know, the answer is it was him screaming. He was wailing. He was so sad that, that, you know, he realized what he had done, and he was just, you know, devastated and heartbroken and just screaming. Uh, the other hand is, you know, she was yelling because they were fighting, and uh, he went, he went after, threatened her. He went after her. She ran in the bathroom and locked herself in, and then he opened fire. So, you know, there's two different scenarios. We don't have a videotape here. We don't know. We're trying to piece together the, the, the credible testimony and uh, evidence, and uh, I just think his storyline is just not going to fall in place here. So what is your theory, Richard, in terms of the uh, victim? What do you think happened in those uh, fatal hours leading up to the crime? It's all, it, it's all speculation here. We don't know. And I'm just, in my mind, I, I, I think that uh, that they probably had a lot of friction because, the, like, the, the, the family member just said that their, their her friend just said their relationship wasn't so good and, and she wasn't so happy with him. And I think maybe she had, you know, other relationship with some other guy and maybe he found out about that so there was friction there and something happened that night where the two of them got in a fight and uh i think she went to lock herself in the bathroom to protect herself and i think out of out of frustration he opened fire I, i'm not buying the self-defense aspect of it i'm just not buying that at this point do you think the defense counsel gets a lot more leeway as far as uh, nobody saying objection your honor objection your honor it seems like the defense could go on and on and on. If this happened here, if this happened here, it's much more liberal there, Richard. What do you think? Oh, no. Oh, oh, Mickey and I, other than his jokes, I mean, we, we would get away with a lot of stuff there that we wouldn't get away with here. But, uh, you know, it also depends on the judge and, and, and how far the judge will let you go. And she's, she's cautioned the defense attorney here that he's gone too far, and, and she's got a handle on him. So... We have to respect their judicial system. It's not the same as ours, and uh, it's interesting. It's not the same as it is in Italy, which we've been watching um, in the case there. So, uh, look, it's, it's all, it, these are different systems, and uh, we're, we're watching a man actually fight for his life because he's looking at life in prison on this charge here. And you know the, the lead detective was taken off the case earlier on, right? We're charged with murder, right? Yeah, the lead detective. Yes. Wasn't the detective charged with murder? I think so. Yeah, that's, he was that's a little bit problematic for that. 
seemed to be that he was tampering with evidence. So they kicked him out. But, it, you know, in a, a jury trial, Joey Jackson was telling me that that would have helped. Not so much here where the judge could see straightforward of what's going on. Do you agree? Well, I think when you try a case in front of a judge, the judge acts like a filter and usually says, "I'm you know I, I don't need an objection. I'm I'm uh, I'm a judge. I'm not a juror. I can see through the the issues here." Yeah, and no theatrics, and and they don't want when it's just a sole judge. There's no theat. Mickey and I score when we're in front of a jury and we can persuade people and make suggestions and and carry on. Uh, we can't. You can't do that when it's just a judge. They don't want to see that. They get upset with that. They, you know, present your case. You know, just put bring it out and let's see what you got. And and like the way the the defense attorney is acting, you know, he's just, I don't think he's scoring points with the judge. Really? Okay. And this judge, as you pointed out, is known to be very tough on men that commit violence. Uh, for uh, against women that doesn't bode well right now for uh, Mr. Payne in any standpoint. No, He's it got doesn't. Enough. And it does uh, not. In fact, right there in South Africa, does it play a part with her in terms of you know what she's thinking when she goes to del- deliberate? Well, I you, you know I'm not you sure. Never know. Good, Mickey. You, you never you know. Never know. Yeah, I mean, this is a woman judge who's seen a woman get, you know, brutally uh, killed. And, uh, you know, I I, I think there's going to be compassion and emotion for her. And the way this thing went down, I mean, you've got to buy his defense that he he feared for his life. And that's why he opened fire. He feared for his life. If you don't believe that, he's going to be convicted of murder. And so far, I don't see him fearing for his life. Yeah, it was know, the not, guy's not, hobbling around on stumps. I think that's a picture that's tough to paint. Yeah. It's because they have a case, too, I was told. So what kind of witnesses do, uh, I'm curious they're going to have to call to rebut some of what the state has already called. So uh, it should be interesting, this case. And uh, it could go pretty long, Richard. What do you think? Oh, they have to get 90 more witnesses, I thought I saw I read today. 90 more witnesses out of 107, right? So 17 yeah, I mean, gone. I, I, Mickey, I don't know. If I, I, if I was the prosecution here, I'd shut this thing down pretty soon. I, I don't know what, what else, you know, I mean, that's it's always, out there. That's always the mistake prosecutors make is they overtry the case. Just take, they should fail the 90 down to 9. Yeah. Crazy. The fact yeah. that this is the first time that they opened up their TV, uh, I read, and uh, they're showing the whole world this trial. Maybe, maybe that's why they want to put on all these witnesses. They, the, the first they had TV in South Africa, I think, it was 1975, really. And this is the OJ case for South Africa. I mean, everyone's glued to their TVs watching this thing, and uh, there's you know tremendous public. This is a national hero on trial. This is like, you know, I, I you know pick the, the greatest athlete. We have uh, going on trial. I mean, that's what it is. This is like their uh, Michael Jordan of, of the 90s, right? Yeah, a nice Michael Jordan, not a, not a nasty <laughs> one, because he's, he's turned nasty in his old age. Or Derek Jeter. <laughs> there you go, the captain. Meanwhile, do you think he's even going to play 50% of the games this season? I don't think so. I hope so. I really do. I mean, this is his last year. Let him go out on the bang. Let him, let him get to the World Series. Call it a no. night, you know, 40 years old. Not with this, not with this Yankee team. I don't see it. <laughs> Mickey Sherman has a great book. Mickey, wants to tell the audience about it? What's the name of the book? How Can You Defend Those People? That's the name of the book. It's the uh, questions that Richard and I get whenever we walk into a cocktail party, a reception, a dinner, a restaurant, a dive, or God knows where. They find out what we do for a living, and they say, how can you represent those people? How can you do that? Uh, everyone in the world who's been arrested is an automatic scumbag. And they never appreciate it and don't understand it until it's their brother-in-law, uncle, son, wife, mother who gets arrested. And then Richard and I go from being uh, pieces of garbage to saviors. And that's what the book and, is about. And by the way, it's a spectacular book. And uh, Mickey was kind enough to come speak to one of my wife's uh, classes at John Jay. 
and uh, one of her criminal classes over there, and the kids were just mesmerized by him, and uh, and he was kind enough to sign autographs for everyone, and it's just a tremendous book, and it gives you a lot of insight on what uh, defense attorneys do, and uh, Thanks, I, I highly recommend it, really. It's tremendous there's reading. There's also, also one chapter is dedicated as a backstage pass to all the legal uh, news channels. So and Mickey represented the Iron Sheik, Am I correct? Yeah, you can, uh, you can, it's on my website, uh, mickeysherman.com, www.mickeysherman.com, or you can go right to uh, YouTube and just click in uh, Mickey Sherman plus Iron Sheik, and you'll see a video I did with him, uh, God knows how long ago, when he'd been arrested and charged with assault. Instead of bringing in letters saying what a great guy he was, I brought in the wrestlers and had them stand on the podium with me one by one and, and badmouth and screamed at the judge and threatened him they should be found not guilty. Yeah, it's amazing. It's tough to explain. It's, you have to see it. It's amazing that Hogan's still at it at 60 years old, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. He was there yeah, when I'm, you were doing I miss Bruno San Martino. That's who I miss. Come on. Yeah, he was in Yeah. Did you ever see him live, Richard? I saw Bruno at the County Center in White Plains wrestle, and it was the, one of the thrills of my life at that time. <laughs> okay, uh, the other story is around Justin Bieber. He was uh, at a deposition. Uh, I want to play the clip for you guys, and uh, tell me what you think on the other side. Justin Bieber arrogantly on a deposition. Remember earlier today when I asked you? No. Why don't you listen to what I had to say first? And then maybe you'll tell me yes. I don't have to listen to anything you have to say. My question. Today, if you have a question about my question, today I, you have the right to be over. clear for you to be able to be Mr. clear. Do you remember being in Australia ever? I don't know if I've been to Australia. I've been to Australia? Are you aware that Scooter Braun knows that your bodyguards have attacked photographers? What objection to form? What kind of question is that? That didn't make sense. Correct, doesn't make sense. That's a weird question. It doesn't make sense. Can you just ask the foundation? I, I didn't hear your response. I, again, sir, I'm, I'm you know, complete, you know, I'm I didn't, fin I didn't finish. My, I didn't finish. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No. I, I oh, 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 really? You didn't want to interrupt. Is it true that you know that your security guards will punch, grab, and push, perhaps, if they need to? I object. Would you please look at the film that's up there? This is a film. This is a film. Pause Would you please watch the television? I, you, you said it's a film. You said watch the film. Is this a film? Is this? A, is there a difference is this between a film? a film and something else? Yes. So yes or no answer required, right? I think my lawyer is asking you a question. Please, sir. I think my lawyer is asking you a question. I'm not here to answer his questions. You're here to answer mine. Have you ever disciplined Mr. Hesney? Disciplined. What kind of question is that? <laughs> is he my son? Guess what? Question? Guess what? I don't recall. Am I going off the video record or does it be Is that Selena Gomez? Yes. Were you dating her at some point in time? What's the relevance of that? Why are you asking that question? Because I'm allowed to ask. No, you're not allowed to. Just make absolutely. Ask it. What are you talking about? It sounds like you're trying to harass him. Be a lawyer, man. Stop making journalism. This isn't journalism. What is what is the relevance? What's your pro have offer? Have you ever? What's your if pro you have an objection, state your objection. What's your pro offer of relevance on that? Sir, have you ever talked with Selena Gomez and discussed your feelings about paparazzi's with her? Don't ask me about her again. Sir. Move on to another. Don't, ever, don't, don't, don't ask me about her again. Don't ask me about her again. Have you ever Don't ask me about her again. Don't ask me Don't ask me about her again. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. Don't ask me about her again. Client's not asking for a break. Wow, Richard. Very arrogant. As you know, we did the show about two months back about Justin Bieber. 
What is your take on him with that deposition? If I was the other attorney, I would say, okay, guess what? All bets are off. We're going to do this in front of a judge. I'm going to the courthouse. We're going to do it there. I'm not going to let this little moron dictate how this deposition is going to go, although the questions, I think, were pretty stupid that he was being asked. But in any event, I would not let this guy control it. I I, I would bring him to the courthouse and do it in front of a judge or have a judge ready to go and make rulings immediately because this thing is out of control. Mickey Sherman, what's your take? A little bit of a different slant. I'd wait for the trial. I'd rather have him not prepared for me being in his face. I once had a uh, a criminal and a murderer. The son of a famous football quarterback was on the stand, and he was was horrible. And uh, my first question to him is, when you stole your father's car the last time, did you burn it down? Which he had. And I stood, like, right in front of him. And he just about hit me. I was hoping that he would hit me in front of the jury. Instead, he said, get out of my face, you ambulance-chasing creep. <laughs> Absolutely true story. And this is the kind of, guy, this is the kind of witness that you can uh, bait like that. And, we'll do, and, you know, when we see it, we're not necessarily amused. We're irritated. But can you imagine how pissed off a jury would, would be seeing this guy talk like this? And they want to line up and take shots at the back of his head. Totally unbelievable. Yeah. And they're doing a video here, too, so when they play it in front of a jury, it's it's going to come at them. But this is, again, this is his bodyguard's assault case, so this case is not going to yeah. trial. It's going to be resolved, yeah. and they're just, you know, really antagonizing him. The bigger problem he's going to have is down in Miami when that trial comes around, although he's got a great lawyer representing him, and Roy Black, I don't know the last time Roy handled a uh, you know, a speeding case like this or uh, any kind of case or the minor drugs. But uh, it's a pretty big case, and I think he could be in trouble in that case down in Miami. Well, you always said Roy Black could uh, take care of things like that, so uh, that remains to be seen. Okay, yeah. over the weekend, uh, George Zimmerman sparked a lot of controversy. Take a listen. I swear, but I have a real outrage. I am outraged about the special guest at a Florida gun show this past weekend. Yep, George Zimmerman. He, took, he shook hands and he autographed photos of himself. And even though a handful of people actually showed up, it's still really sad that we live in a world where a child killer, yes, he's a child killer, is raised to the level of celebrity. Today, hundreds of people have assembled at the Florida State Capitol to challenge Stand Your Ground, a law that makes it easier for people to choose gun violence over common sense. Now, I don't know if the timing was intentional or just unfortunate, but either way, George Zimmerman and his allies have found another way to thumb their nose at Trayvon Martin's family. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like George Zimmerman to kind of just go away, please. Mickey Sherwin, what's your take on George Zimmerman signing autographs at a gun show? I agree with everything everyone just said. It's inconceivable to me that this guy doesn't have friends or associates or lawyers who would say, don't do that. I mean, to be at a meet and greet at a gun show giving autographs is absolutely insane. If he, if he made that story up as a joke, no one would buy it. <laughs> Richard Herman, what's your take? Uh, His life is probably upside down right now. Everybody recognizes him. I don't know where he can go, what he can do. He, uh, you know, he he, he shot a young man. And, uh, okay, it's in self-defense, and the jury bought it. And, frankly, I thought that's the only verdict that could have come down based on the evidence that came in the case. But... uh, you know, his life is shot, is, shot, is shot. I mean, this guy needs probably some major psychological uh, therapy. He's not getting it. Um, he's hanging out with insane women who are either antagonizing him or he's doing the same to them. And uh, he's really lost. I mean, he's just totally lost. And, and people are taking advantage of his state of mind. And, you know, gun shows are inviting him to come in because they think, you know, he's a celebrity. He's going to bring in people. But what do you have, 10, 15 people even show up to see him? I mean, no one wants to see him. He's a train wreck. And, uh, you know, it's just a very sad, pathetic case. And uh, this guy is just, yeah, he should just try to go off into the sunset somewhere and get out of Florida, that's for sure because uh, he's just got to try to move on with his life. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the uh, law so many times after post-trial. I don't compare him to Michael Dunn like a lot of other people. What about you? I think that's a totally, totally different type of case. You know, the similarities uh, are Michael totally Dunn. Different. Michael Dunn was, was you know, totally, you know, I mean, come on. Michael Dunn 
loud music and turned it down and don't turn it down and he pulls out a gun with this crazy defense that he thought he saw a rifle coming out of the car that's insane here at least at least here uh, Zimmerman the back of his head was cut up consistent with being slammed into the concrete one gun you, have, you have a corroboration here at least to the story the done is just Wait, uh, just horrible uh, yeah, what about you? What did you think of the Michael Dunn case? It should have been a slam dunk. Didn't get him on the first count, but I, I totally agree with Richard's take on, on the situation. I mean, it was so speculative that uh, uh, it would be very tough to buy that story. I, I wouldn't buy. It. Yeah, and now guys, they're going to try to they're going to retry him on the murder only because this Angela Corey, who I think is pretty corrupt down in Florida, I think that her job is on the line here. So that's why she's going to bring it. I mean, this guy's going to get 25, 30 years in prison as it is now. He's going to die in prison as it is. There's no need to go retry him on the murder count. Although Mickey will tell you, you know, when a jury comes back 10-2 for conviction and it's hung at 10-2. More likely than not, the prosecutors will retry that case. You know, if it comes back 6-6, they probably don't, but at 10-2. Um, but, you know, there's, there's that, you've got to asterisk the racism factor. And, you know, can you really get 12 people in that portion of the country that are going to sit there without any preconceived ideas and, and are going to really listen to the evidence and make a, an objective finding? Or, you know, are people going to come with agendas? I don't know. I, next time it could be 11-1, you know, and uh, someone could hold out. But uh, the Dunn case, as you said, is much different than uh, Zimmerman, much different. You know, I had Holly Hughes here about three weeks ago. She thinks that Angela Corey is that Angela Corey. Oh, when she came out to the press conference, she didn't thank the uh, three young black guys for testifying. She made it about herself. Her hair was done differently. What's your take on her, on uh, Mrs. Angela Corey Richard? I think she's corrupt. I think she's a political hack. I think that she was uh, took direction on the Zimmerman how, case. How do you really feel? Don't hold back. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm not gonna hold back here. This is this is you know I gotta call it like I see it. You know this was Absolutely. not objective. They didn't have a grand jury down in Florida on Zimmerman. They this woman was called in to bring in a uh, arrest this guy and press charges on him and and don't take no for an answer and move forward and not look for the search for the truth but just get a conviction at all costs and that's what she tried to do and she got egg in her face there. It happened again and done and you know the same prosecutor by the way one of the same prosecutors who tried the Zimmerman was here in the, in the Dunn case and maybe it's time to get rid of him. But this Angela Corey, this is this a bad woman. They need someone objective. And the Attorney General of the State of Florida, Pam Bondi, who I'm sure Mickey's been on with before and I have, who's I think she's a wonderful person. But this Angela Corey, this is no good. That's how I feel. <laughs> Amen. Okay, let's take a call before we end this. Caller, you're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Do you guys think that... Uh... Justin Bieber, whatever change his demographics of today? Did he'll ever change? Yeah. What, what, what do you mean change? He was like a, a model citizen, you know? and uh, For 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, then, he, then he made $108 million in two years. Do you yeah, think he'll come years back old. To, to the right people? Will, you know, you, you think he'll change? No. I think he's a snot-nosed punk, and it's only going to get worse. And I agree 1 million percent with Mickey. 1 million percent with him, I agree. It's only going to get worse for this guy. Only going to get worse. You have a way of calling things, so I'm going to put you on the spot right here. What is going to be the verdict in about six weeks for Mr. Blade Runner himself, Oscar? So let's get it on the record. Jordan, it's not fair to do that when the trial's still going on and all the evidence is not in. But I'll do it anyway. I think he's going down. <laughs> and I think he's going to get convicted. Of murder. Of murder. Of murder. I think he may win. Okay. What do you there we go. I say it's a not guilty. You really? On the murder. Yeah. On the murder. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Catch Richard every Saturday at 12 noon on the East, 12 to 1. 
And uh, thank you, Richard, so much for joining us as a part of this great dream team with Mickey Sherman, of course, get Mickey's book. The links are on the bottom, so you can check it out right there. And uh, thank you, Dream Team, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Richard. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back. We will be back tomorrow with sports. That's right. From WFAN New York, I am going to have Andrew Bogus will join us. We will be talking Knicks. We will be talking Yankees and much, much more. I want to thank our guests, Richard Herman and Mickey Sherman. And uh, stay tuned next week for more guests on the uh, King Jordan Radio Show. Of course, you could follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash King Jordan Radio. Find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash at Mr. King Jordan. Find us on the web at www.kingjordanmedia.com. Well, instead of saying goodbye, I'm going to say hello. This is a little clip I found from Michael Buffer. As we say goodbye, let's get ready to rumble. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight championship of the world. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, from the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Waiting for the High Court to get underway at 9.30 this morning. Uh, good morning, Christopher. Good morning, Evan. Just uh, tell us what is expected today, and now we're going to start at 9.30 as well. Well, we're definitely going to start at 9.30 uh, once again this morning, Gavin. Well, just uh, as you were starting the show, Oscar Pistorius was walking uh, into this courtroom flanked by his family, looking very composed, <laughs> a far cry from the emotional, uh, 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 drained uh, Oscar Pistorius who we saw yesterday after and also during he was listening uh, to um, the testimony of the pathologist who conducted the post-mortem on Riva Stienkamp, Professor Gert Simon. So we're really expecting another emotional day in court today. Oscar Pastorius looking very composed as he walked inside the court today. We're expecting the cross-examination to continue this morning of the pathologist. Just... Uh just tell us about that emotional day. There were lots of reports about him breaking down and, and some people say throwing up in court. Is that accurate? If you could kindly repeat it, please, Evan. Just, uh, just take us through the, the, the range of emotions that he went through yesterday. Some people say that he broke down several times. Of course, we weren't allowed to see the, the footage in court. Uh, just tell us about the extent of the emotional scenario that he went through yesterday. Well, inside the court, Evan, you will remember, first of all, there was an objection by the pathologist for the testimony uh, to be live uh, uh, on television. Basically, what the pathologist was saying is that he thought that it really basically would be in bad taste for it to be beamed live on television. Out of respect, that should not happen. Out of respect for Reva Stienkamp and also out of respect for the family, as we did expect um, graphic details to come from that testimony because as you heard uh, following um, uh, the reports that were given that uh, there was really a graphic details of uh, the extent of the damage uh, that the bullets uh, did uh, to uh, Reva Stienkamp. So basically um, while Oscar Pistorius was listening to that and we were looking at him, we were not allowed to tweet 
about the testimony at the time. So our focus very much was between the testimony and the emotions that Oscar Pistorius was showing during uh, the testimony. I tell you, Oscar Pistorius could not contain himself to such an extent that uh, court officials had to bring a bucket in, uh, in order for him to um, uh, basically uh, uh, gasp inside there. Uh, he started vomiting as well, and uh, his family seemed very concerned uh, about uh, his condition yesterday. Uh, well, and so did uh, the, uh, some of the Stiencom family uh, that was here, the Myers family as well. You know, the Myers family are the family that uh, Reva Stiencom was staying with in Johannesburg. So it was a hive of emotions that was taking place inside the court yesterday, such that uh, the judge, Judge Masipa, had to intervene uh, to ask Oscar Pistorius if he was okay. Chriselda, just tell us about the media ban yesterday. I think what was the response from all local and international media on yesterday's specific ban? Yeah, but as a report on this case, as it's of international interest, we part have a responsibility, uh, you know, to report responsibly about this case as we would in any other case uh, involving murder or whatever other crime it is that has been committed. But because of the sensitive nature of this case and the interest, the massive interest that uh, it has really drawn around the world, you know, a lot of media that I spoke to were very concerned about the fact that we were not able to take it live, while others seem to understand uh, after listening uh, to the testimony of uh, Professor uh, Gert Seyman that it really would have been in bad taste to, to broadcast uh, it live on television because of the graphic nature of the details that, he, that the court basically heard yesterday. So uh, while there was disappointment, uh, there was also an understanding that this could not be done uh, because of the sensitive nature and the graphic details that uh, we heard in court yesterday. But there were many others who raised issues about why it was that uh, we were not allowed to even tweet about uh, what uh, the pathologist was saying, yet there were incidents such as uh, Marikana, where uh, we saw those images on South African television where uh, you know, the miners were killed and uh, uh, nobody said anything about uh, not uh, showing those graphic details on television. So there was a lot of talk amongst journalists yesterday about why this case in particular should not be shown live? Why should the nation and the world at large not hear what the pathologist who conducted the post-mortem on Riva Stiankamp have to say? Finally, Chriselda, and, and media interest, international and local, it's not waning at all, is it? Well, it definitely still is massive in South Africa, as expected, and around the world. But what we're sensing at the moment is that from the international media, you've still got uh, uh, two other very big stories that are dominating world, world headlines, including the situation in Crimea, as well as uh, the missing Malaysian airline. So for the international media at the moment, it's a bit of a dice between Oscar Pistorius, the missing airline, and the ongoing situation in Crimea. But here in South Africa, I can tell you every single media house in South Africa is still leading with this story, but of course, also uh, putting attention on the devastating floods in some parts of the country. So uh, I wouldn't say that it's dwindling amongst the international media, but they're really trying to juggle between uh, the Oscar Pistorius trial and uh, other uh, massive stories mm. that are uh, in the international stage at the moment. Christelda, thank you very much this morning. Christelda Lewis live from the High Court uh, in the capital, of course, where the Oscar